0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to May of 1991. In the news this month, Queen Elizabeth II becomes the first British monarch to address Congress. Michael Jordan wins his second of five NBA MVP awards. Willie T. Ribbs overcomes numerous mechanical problems in qualifying to become the first African-American driver to make the Indianapolis 500 starting grid. The Pittsburgh Penguins defeat the Minnesota North Stars 8-0 in Game 6 to win their first franchise Stanley Cup. An Austria-Boeing 767 explodes at Bangkok Airport, 223 people die. The number one song of May 1991 is I Don't Want to Cry by Mariah Carey. And the top three movies of the month are What About Bob, Thelma and Louise, and "Backdrop." Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Kevin. And it is May of 1991. This was a good month for movies. We're really starting to hit a stride here.
1: All right, so what I want to say is that I feel like movies are starting to actually earn money and be produced by people who know how to make
0: movies. They're also starting to... Yeah, definitely. And they're also starting to be movies that I remember and care about.
1: Yeah, we're getting into the. <laughs> we're, we're really starting to hit our stride, and it's only 91.
0: What I've realized, and I think I've said this before, is that. I like the mid '90s movies the best. Yes. Yeah, and later, like so, Facts. like the early '90s, like that wasn't me. That wasn't my uh, my bag, you know. Well, you were five in 1990. So. Yeah. So now I'm six, and so I'm really <laughs> understanding movies.
1: <laughs> Got a firm grasp on what's going on. Well, I'm 11, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually I actually do know what's going <laughs> on. So, do you have anything that you want to preempt this? this uh, month with before we get into it?
0: I just want to say that I never saw... Okay, so the top three movies were... What About Bob, Thelma and Louise, and Backdraft. Right. I never saw Thelma and Louise before. Me neither. Which is, I think, strange that neither of us have ever seen it because it is an iconic movie, no? Also, though, it is clearly by the title and then followed through
1: by the um, content of the film... 100%
0: a chick flick. Oh yeah. So, I think that's why we never saw it before. But it's fine that it's a chick flick. It just it really wasn't for us. But we'll get to that. And Backdraft, I was I was actually really interested to rewatch Backdraft because my father-in-law's a fireman and he always tells me how terrible the movie was and I haven't seen it in forever.
1: Save this save so, the whole story uh, for the the uh, movie though.
0: And what about Bob is I, in my household, a classic. Same with me. I I mean, well, not my household. Me, in particular, hold it in high regard. My wife, my family don't really care about it. But I love it, and I loved watching it again for about the 8,000th time. Yeah. All right, let's get right into it. So we have 19 titles this month. coming. Just
1: pump out movies, right? I mean, it's like... Wait, I, uh, yo, but see, so here's the, here's the rub, right? As we get deeper into the 90s, there's more and more movies that we love that come out within a month's time so and they're not in the top three
0: and right like so that. i
1: i somewhat recall point break being outside of the top three which we're obviously gonna have to review point break so well, that's
0: why we're gonna start our little
1: mini casts yeah so we're gonna do little mini casts for the movies that don't make the top three but mm-hmm. obviously require a discussion right. exactly All right, so without further ado, coming in at number 19, a movie called Sweet Talker. Grossing $258,000, a sweet-talking con man starts to turn his life around when he falls in love in this family-oriented comedy with Brian Brown, who's uh, Doug Coughlin in Cocktail. You remember Tom Cruise's partner?
0: No, I've never seen Cocktail.
1: Oh Well, okay. I'm sorry we have a co-host that's never seen the movie Cocktail, folks, but here we are. Bruce Spence and Karen Allen. Karen Allen is Marion in Indiana Jones. Okay. So despite you never having seen cock- Cocktail and therefore don't know who Brian Brown is, uh, these are three decent people in this movie that I've never heard of before. I tried to follow
0: your description <laughs> and I couldn't. All right. Well, we're there regardless. We we've, we've it's landed. number 19. I was like, I don't need to pay
1: attention to this. <laughs> the plane has landed, sir. You can get off now.
0: All right. Ah, uh, did you say what it what it grossed? I did all of my job. Okay, perfect. We're ready to go. I'm I'm in it to win it tonight. <laughs> Clearly focused and on your game as per usual. All right, coming in at number 18 is Rich Girl. What do you think this movie is about? Maybe a uh, rich girl. Well, more specifically, a rich Bever- Beverly Hills girl gets a job as a waitress and falls in love with a rock singer. Out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drama earning f- uh, $561,000 directed by Joel Bender. And he did nothing else. Starring Jill Scholin did nothing else. Don Michael Paul, did nothing else. Sean Cannon, did nothing else. All right. No, <laughs> Coming in at number 17, a
1: movie that I've seen the title a thousand times before and still never watched it, Hanging with the Homeboys, grossing $516,000. Four young friends spend one crazy Friday night on the streets of Manhattan that quickly turns into a night they'll never forget, starring Dougie Doug and John Leguizamo. Dougie Doug is a hip-hop classic, hip-hop legend, and John Leguizamo is... John Leguizamo. Who John
0: Leguizamo is? (laughs) That's it. All right, moving on to number sixteen. Dice rules. All right, hold on. Don't, don't. don't, We we all know about your hatred about Andrew Dice Clay.
1: Is this another dice movie? It certainly is. This is our second dice movie in two years. I know.
0: I knew it was going to anger you. This
1: has to stop, right? (laughs) This has to be the last one.
0: I don't understand his. Alure. Yeah. Is that a word? Prolivity proclivity know. proclivity that,
1: i think that might be the word i'm looking I for i think a lore though maybe might be more fitting
0: yeah I, I just don't why do people want to watch him i've never enjoyed his comedy no.
1: i've never enjoyed his persona and i know that dice is a character that he plays like i'm aware of the fact that that's not him as a human being but still it's not entertaining to no, me no neither
0: is it to me okay so earning six hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars Outrageous, misogynistic, and vulgar to the max, comedian Andrew Dice Clay does his stuff in this combination of a stand-up concert video in a filled-to-capacity performance at Madison Square Garden and a series of comedy sketches. Okay, so that's the one that I'll never see. It's just him doing Clay. Um, (laughs) I do want to say this was directed by Jay Dubin who directed several episodes of salute your shorts
1: nice (laughs) well if he's done salute my shorts he could do anything that's what i'm saying coming in at number 15 truly madly deeply grossing 1.5 million dollars a woman dealing with inconsolable grief over the death of her partner gets another chance when he returns to earth as a ghost what's with the ghost concepts in the 90s like
0: take it easy Second chances. You know, he's dead. Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So directed by, I'm going to butcher his
1: name, Anthony Minghella, M-I-N-G-H-E-L-L-A. This gentleman directed The Talented Mr. Ripley. Let me stop for just a second and say The Talented Mr. Ripley is easy, a top 25 movie of mine. If you haven't seen it, go see it, please. Uh, it This movie also stars Alan Rickman. So... I don't want to see the movie but Severus Snape's in it so you got to watch it. Alan Rickman's in it and directed by a man who has the ability to direct a good movie. Might give it a
0: shot. Yeah, but we've seen we've seen throughout this podcast already that just because a director has one good movie doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they'll have another. Remember, the director of The Exorcist also directed that The Tree Worship movie.
1: <laughs> I <can't>, I've already <laughs> forgot the name of that. I don't movie. remember
0: it either but just remember, that was the director of The Exorcist. Uh, it's fair. <laughs> All right. Coming in at number 14 is Mannequin on the Move. So this is the sequel, sequel. to a great movie. The, Mannequin, the first one, is
1: a fantastic 80s movie. Fantas- I own a DVD. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, I, kinda it's, wanna, I might borrow that. Sitting just, right there, please. Because if you're saying it's good, because the, the concept of this movie... Just blew my mind. I remember. So I remember being young
1: and seeing Mannequin 2 come out and probably watching 2 with my parents and it being an abomination. The first one, look, it's an 80s schlocky, silly movie, but worth the watch and worth your time. The second one, I remember being a complete waste of time.
0: Well, I don't know what the premise for the first one is but in mannequin on the move Mm. it's not called mannequin two on the move by the way that was just on the poster okay (laughs) fair so mannequin on the move a young department store intern falls in love with a female store mannequin who is a who is really a peasant girl fallen under a thousand year spell oh my goodness she comes to life whenever he removes the cursed necklace from her okay here's what i want to know yeah why does he put it back on (laughs) her? (laughs) <laughs> it's a fair question. <laughs> Who's the mannequin? Uh, the mannequin is played by Christy Swanson. In the first one, it's Kim Cattrall. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I mean, Christy a Swanson young, was Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: A young Kim, Kim Cattrall, though? That's top notch.
0: We each have our own. That's what they say, anyway. <laughs> this is starring Christy Swanson, as I said, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. She also plays Christy Boner in Dude, Where's My Car? Nice. <laughs> Bonner. and then uh William Ragsdale and Mesak Taylor, and he was the only one that reprised his role, so yeah, but I need context when you say these names. I don't know who they are they're t v actors like no. I tried to find something of like like this is where you would know them from, and it's just random the guy random yeah, he's that guy, okay. did you say how much it grossed uh three point three million dollars fantastic coming in at oh wait, 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 I just wanted to say the director. I forgot to say the director, it was Stuart Raffill. He directed Mac and Me. I don't know if you know this movie. Yeah, I'm aware of Mac and Me. This is the movie With that... the um, alien? Yeah, Paul Rudd, every time he does a talk show, he, he has them play the clip from Mac and Me of like Mac, I guess, is the alien riding down on a uh, shopping cart mm-hmm. and flying off a cliff. Okay. And he promotes that scene of that movie on every talk show that he goes on. Is there any reason why? <laughs> I think is he it's No, he's not in the movie. I just think he finds it hysterical. (laughs) Okay. And then also he directed The Philadelphia Experiment. I only bring that up for you. No one else is going to care about this. but Because Grandpa loved that movie. Did he? Yeah, he used to tell me about it all the time.
1: All right. Well, then I need to watch The Philadelphia Experiment. Sidebar now because you brought up Grandpa in movies. So Grandpa used to die laughing watching the original Pink Panther movies with Peter Sellers. You have no idea how many times I've tried in various states of sobriety to watch these movies and enjoy them and they're atrocities. They're they're offensive to movies that the the fact <laughs> that they're movies. You're talking about a very very Christian man. Yeah, but it's not that. It's not the fact that they're 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 it's just not funny. Like it's 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 comedy that I don't get at all whatsoever. Doesn't strike my point. I I
0: don't know if I've ever watched anything but the Steve Martin Pink Panther, and that wasn't good either. Well, watch the Peter Seller ones because they're virtually impossible to sit through.
1: (laughs) All right, coming in at number 13, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, grossing $7.3 million. Thrilled by a performance she sees at a fair, Sonora tries to land a spot as a daredevil who rides horses off high dives. Director, Steve Miner. We've encountered this man before, but I can't pinpoint where because I looked it up, specifically looking for a movie he did last year, and there's zero. So (laughs) I don't know why I know him, but I I know that he directed Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3, directed Warlock, Forever Young with Mel Gibson, Halloween H2O, which I s- distinctly remember us we having talked about a conversation. Less... No, in H2O. January. Yeah, that was probably this year, right? Yeah, in January. And then Lake Placid. He di- directed Lake Placid. Well, we talk about well.
0: Lake Placid at least once an episode, <laughs> <That's> so... It's <laughs> fine. Lake Placid's a fantastic movie. And that's... that's... Wait, I, what 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 does it mean, though, to ru- daredevil ride a horse off of a high dive?
1: She, I don't... I don't well, <laughs> like, she has the horse, like, in a pool? Yeah, she wants to ride the horse off the
0: high dive into a pool. How do you get the horse up the high dive? That's a good question. <laughs> Perhaps crane? But that's a lot of effort.
1: <laughs> How many times can you do that a night, by the way? <laughs> How much does the crane operator get paid a night? How does that
0: become your passion? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's an awfully specific fashion. I love horses and high dives.
0: Combine. I the clear next step. <laughs> it's reasonable. All right. Uh, coming in at number 12, Stone Cold. I was very disappointed that this wasn't about Steve Austin. <laughs> I'm done already. I'm out. No Steve Austin? Out. Uh, a tough Alabama cop is blackmailed by the FBI into going undercover in a violent Mississippi biker gang. That's a loaded sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Could go a lot of ways. Yeah. He, he blackmailed by the FBI. <laughs> and Mississippi biker gang. <laughs> and you're from Alabama. We're all over the place here. <laughs> uh this is a movie earning 9.2 million dollars directed by Craig R. Baxley. He directed Action Jackson. Hmm. And he did, he was the stunt coordinator for Predator movies. Oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah. We spoke about him too. Yes. Action Jackson's a good movie. Yeah. And he's also has directed several A-team television episodes.
1: Well, good for you. <laughs> TV, TV gets no respect on this podcast.
0: Yeah. All right, so in this, there's a couple of notable people in this movie. Uh, Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Bishop, I know the name. From Aliens. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And William Forsyth, uh, Devil's Reject, Dick Tracy. Dick uh, Tracy, yeah. Specifically, we spoke about on this podcast. See, um, we're starting
1: to hit people again
0: now. This is good. Yeah. And just an interesting fact, the movie was orig- originally rated NC-17, and they had to cut like significant amount of scenes from this movie and do reshoots resho- just to get it back to an R rating. Okay. so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think so. I'll cut that out. Coming in at number 11, A Rage in Harlem,
1: grossing $10.5 million. A gangster girlfriend flees to Harlem with a trunkload of gold after a shootout, unaware that the rest of the gang are on her tail. This is interesting. Directed by the one and only Bill Duke. Wait. Yeah, the Bill Duke. (laughs) Like Bill Duke from Predator, Bill Duke. Yeah, Bill Duke. So Bill Duke has 62 director's credits. I was (laughs) astonished to learn
0: this. Yeah, I find that really hard to believe. Do you want to know some of the movies he's directed? I want to know if I'll recognize them. Deep Cover, Lawrence Fishburne. I, I, I'm aware early, of the movie. Not
1: early, early, maybe
0: mid-90s movie? Sister Act 2. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually like Sister Act 2 better than the first Sister Act. I hate all of Sisters
1: in no, You're anti-Whoopie, so
0: just keep going.
1: I am, except for the one Ghost. movie that she saved. And you hate the movie. <laughs> I hate the movie, but love her performance in it. Stars Forrest Whitaker, Robin Givens, Danny Glover, and Gregory Hines. Sold. It's actually like a really good cast and directed by Bill Duke. I might have to watch this just to see. I c- it's just, just very I've interesting. Seen, I've seen Deep Cover, but not in like a decade, so it doesn't count. I, I might want to watch this movie just to watch the cast directed by Bill Duke. Yeah, I'm in. All right.
0: Let's do it. All right, so that was that was 11, right? That was 11. All right. Coming in number 10, One Good Cop earning 11.2 million dollars. I
1: want to interrupt for 1 second and say that now look, we're at number 10 grossing 11 million dollars. Like I feel like the momentum has has grown from last year where like the number 3 movie was grossing like 4 million dollars on any random month.
0: I wonder if there was some type of uh change in the way they d- did the movies like in what sense in what they charged for theaters and like how It took them one year what can inflation do no, i'm not talking about inflation i'm talking about like just like there's like but you might be right like it could be because of this push more people want to watch movies i don't know i'm just wondering if maybe something occurred in that time maybe there was an actor strike maybe there was a maybe there was a director strike. maybe there was a production strike i don't know I I'm don't know. Maybe I'm, there was something, and we just missed it because we were 11 and 6.
1: Well I'm sure that the intricacies of, of economics eluded us at the ages 11 and <laughs> 6, but I'm just saying comparatively this year to last year right. is leaps and bounds. The number
0: 10 movie is making millions of dollars. Right. All right. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Coming in at number 10, a, one good cop. Three small girls are left without a home after their father, Stevie, is killed in the line of duty. His partner, Artie, and his wife choose to adopt the children, but the government thinks their living quarters are too cramped for a family. Without enough money for a down payment on a house, Artie robs drug lord, Beniamino Rios. Little does Artie know that Rios' girlfriend may have the means to take him down.
1: Sounds Uh, uh, convoluted.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on here. I don't think it's a bad idea for a movie. You know. Who's in it? It's Michael Keaton plays the cop. Uh Renee Russo is his wife. I'm out. You're out for Renee Russo? I'm
1: out for I'm out for the combination of Keaton and Russo. Why?
0: I love Keaton. I, I,
1: I have loved Keaton. I've also seen Pacific Heights with Keaton that I just wanted to slip my wrist yeah, while but I was watching. He was it. fine
0: in the movie. It was just a bad
1: movie. Maybe fair, but also I have a sour taste in my mouth.
0: All right. Well, regardless, it's not a terrible concept. Like, I'm trying to help out my friend and who's killed in the line of duty. I'm trying to help his daughters, and I can't afford it. So let me go rob a drug dealer and try to help them get out. Feel,
1: feel like this could go either way. could be really bad or really good. Nowhere in the middle. Yeah, you're probably right.
0: But I mean, they're earning $11.2 million. All right, That's come- just because it's Keaton.
1: Coming in at number nine, Madonna, Truth or Dare, grossing $15 million. It's a really simple explanation. Documentary following singer Madonna on her controversial blonde ambition tour in 1990. The guy that directed this, I didn't write down his name, but he's done a shit ton of music stuff. Selena Gomez and early 90s, mid 90s. He's all over it. So if you're interested in this, you should look it up. So
0: that's what he does is... That's all documentaries for musicians yep. um but speaking of directors uh the last one uh, one good cop mm. that was directed by haywood gould mm. who actually wrote cocktail because you were talking about that nice yeah. all right so maybe you will
1: watch it that's uh what do we call that when things intertwine with one another stuff call Con- it stuff connections making <laughs> connections i don't know I, don't,
0: I forget words It's late. We're doing this one late. (laughs) All right. Coming in at number eight, Switch. Earning $15.5 million. A sexist womanizer is killed by one of his former lovers and then is reincarnated as a woman. Oh, my God. (laughs) This movie is directed by Blake Edwards. Okay. He's the writer-director of Pink Panther. Which one? All of them. The originals? All of them. All of them ever? All of them. <laughs> All of the Pink Panthers. <laughs> All right. Well, and Lorraine Brock goes in this movie. All right. And well. Tay Leone makes her. Nice. Her film debut.
1: Nice. Yeah. I like that. All right. Coming in at number seven, this is a controversial movie, to say the least. Ooh. Hudson Hawk, grossing $17 million. Bruce Willis, right? All right. So look, the plot is really unimportant in this movie
0: (laughs) i don't understand how that's possible it is a movie plot tends to be the number one thing in a movie
1: it is and it isn't so it's about a cat burglar he's he's forced to steal the da vinci works of art uh for a world domination plot as per IMDb.
0: (laughs) just robbing da vinci works of art a lot
1: of a lot of (laughs) a lot of art heists take place in this movie but all right so this movie was Railed, right? That's a term for as far as people hating the movie, critics, viewers, everybody said this movie is a piece of shit. But then it had a resurgence. It this is the definition of a cult classic, similar to like Rocky Horror Picture Show, although not that intense. Like, I love this movie. This movie is is you have to take this movie in the context that is that it's delivered, and it's silly, and it it's ridiculous at points but it's bruce willis danny aiello and a lot of other people i could give you a couple um Andy, uh andy mcdowell sandra bernhardt james coburn david caruso
0: it's a really good cast and, and you're they're, not naming anyone who i don't yeah they're all great like. actors yeah. great actors really silly movie really deserves a watch i had every intention of watching this movie this week but like you know my Six week old got in the way of that. So, yeah, well, if
1: anybody <laughs> wonders why we haven't recorded in like a half a year, it's because Chris decided to buy a house and have another kid so. at the same time. So, um, but yeah, fun. look, to anybody out there listening that hasn't seen this movie and heard bad things about it, the opinions are completely wrong. This movie
0: 1000% deserves a watch. All right. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. It's something I've been thinking about for a, a while, honestly. Um they talk about this mo- movie in other movies too, right? Yeah, because like it's so like i polarizing
1: i guess perhaps is the proper term. Some people love it, some people hate it. This this is a fun watch through and through. It's a fun movie, so All right.
0: You won't be disappointed. Sounds good to me. Coming in at number 6, FX2. I guess this is a sequel to FX. Yeah, which also FX the same
1: guy that was in Cocktail that you don't you've never seen Cocktail before was in FX1. I want yeah, Brian Brown. Yeah. I,
0: I actually have it written down that he was in Cocktail. Nice. Yeah, so he's in <laughs> FX2.
1: FX1 was a good movie. I don't remember anything about FX2, so I don't know if that's saying well, something about it.
0: FX2 earned 21 million dollars. A special effects man helps his girlfriend's ex, a cop, with a sting operation where the ex gets killed. Something's off and he investigates with help from an ex cop PI friend. So there's a lot of X's going on in this description. Also, there's
1: way too many commas in those sentences that (laughs) you read. No, those commas are all there. (laughs) I know, but I'm saying whoever wrote the sentence should have put some periods instead of commas.
0: Listen, all I know about this movie is people were mad about it, specifically special effects people, because they said they give away all the secrets of the trade. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Damn it.
1: Now everyone's
0: going to know how to do special effects. (laughs) Just so you know, Brian Dennehy's in this movie. Nice. I like Brian Dennehy. And also the the female, uh, I guess, corrections officer from Con Air. She's in this oh, movie, too. Oh,
1: what's she in? What else is she in? Total Recall. Yes. Thank you. That was it. Yeah.
0: See, I remember things, but not specifically. <laughs> <laughs> and just a fun fact. I love fun facts today. Dennehy doesn't appear in this movie until about 45 minutes in, even though he is the co-lead. Nice. There you go. There's
1: that. There's a thing (laughs) that you now know. Coming in at number five, Only the Lonely, grossing $21.8 million. Look, this is a John Candy movie, 1991. If you've never seen it or heard of it, stop what you're doing right now. Go watch a John Candy film. I'll be back
0: in about an hour and a half.
1: Yep. And we're back, and Chris (laughs) hasn't watched it. (laughs) A Chicago cop must balance loyalty to his overbearing mother and a relationship with a shy funeral home worker directed by none other than
0: chris columbus yeah chris columbus now we're talking about 1492 chris columbus right (laughs) yes that specific one
1: all right it stars john candy maureen o'hara ali sheedy kevin dunn kevin Dunn's the dad in the dude transformer uh movies anthony quinn jim belushi Kieran Colkin and Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. I right, do number four and then we'll get into it. We still have like an hour left to do. No, nah, we'll be all right.
0: Coming in at number four, Soap Dish, earning 36.4 million dollars. An ambitious television soap actress connives with her producer to scuttle the career of the show's longtime star, but nothing works as they plan. This is another movie that I'm I'm re- I remember. This movie is loaded. Yes. He's loaded.
1: Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Uh, what's the girl from the mother from um, oh. Sally Field? Yes. Thank you.
0: Who else? Kevin Klein. Yes. Kevin Klein. Kathy Moriarty. No, I don't know. Terry her. Hatcher. Yes. Terry. Whoopi Goldburn.
1: Yes. I remember. She's like a secretary in the movie. Ben
0: Stein. Well, ben Stein. <laughs> John <Sick>. Tesh. Wow. <laughs> he plays John Tesh. Okay. Uh, So, yeah. So, this movie... Yeah, Star Studded.
1: Now, this movie also got shit on because it was weird because it had, like, that, like break through the fourth wall sort of thing i love that. they're shit, like so. they're making a uh they're making a soap opera but it's a movie about the making of the soap opera and how like fucked up all the well, character actors are and i remember this being really good also I haven't seen this movie in probably 20 years
0: interestingly enough like several of the character uh the actors were chosen because they had done soap operas before nice so like they they wanted that that soapy feel you know how like Soap operas just feel different. Yeah. And they wanted the soap actors. Super cheesy. Yeah. They just wanted them in it to like get the real feel of like soap acting. Um, also, so Kevin Klein is in this movie. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Kevin Klein was originally cast as Peter Pan in the movie Hook. No way. Yeah. He was originally signed on for the movie Hook. Like it was a go. That's he, a
1: thousand percent different movie. He's
0: going to be Hook. So what happened that he wasn't? So Hook? they're making this movie Soap Tish. And the director just was not happy. So the director was uh, Michael Hoffman, who, uh, nothing of note. Else. Okay. Um, but he was not happy with any of the movie. So he had like this, like like months worth of reshoots where Klein was contractually stuck in this movie. He had to do these reshoots. So he couldn't do Hook. So Spielberg had to go and find someone else. So, so that's how Robin Williams... Became Peter Pan. So Kevin Klein
1: fucking up soap dish is how we got Robin Williams and Peter Pan. Yes. Well, thank God that
0: he's not very good actor then. <laughs> um, but let me tell you something. Uh, I love Hook. We talk about Hook all the time. I, I know a lot of people don't like Hook. I don't know why. It's it's a classic. I don't.
1: Listen, that's, I, whatever your opinion is, I, I don't care to hear it about Hook. I, there, <laughs> I don't have the ability to have the, the conversation of whether or not Hook's a good movie. Hook, for all I know, Hook could be out there in the universe being a dog shit movie, but as far as I'm concerned, it's a 9 out of 10. So whatever valid conversation you want to have with me, I'm unable to tell you whether or not your, your opinion is valid because the movie's amazing to me. <laughs> that's it. And that's where I stop, so... I have the same thoughts. (laughs) It could be trash for all I know, but as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best movies ever made. Absolutely. All right. So we're done with the countdown. Coming in at number three, Chris, Thelma and Louise, grossing forty five point three million dollars. Thelma. I'll get it.
0: Thelma. I've not told you I can't stand it when you holler in the morning. I'm sorry, doll. I
1: just didn't want you to be late. Hey,
0: how you doing, little housewife? Louise. Yeah, I still have to ask Daryl if I can go. You mean you haven't asked him yet? Thelma, is he your husband or your father? Thelma and Louise are going fishing. How come Daryl let you go? Because I didn't ask him. (laughs) He's gonna kill you! I left him a note. Selma and Louise are going to catch hell. I'll have a wild turkey straight up and a Coke back, please. Thelma! Oh, what? Tell me something. Is this my vacation or isn't it? Did you see his, his butt? <laughs> Thelma! Have you lost mine? My... Woo! I'm, uh, Investigator Howell Slocum, Arkansas State Police. You get your butt back here, Thelma. Now, as you know, we've tapped your phone. What? Maybe you got a few too many parking tickets? Uh. (laughs) Thelma, what happened? (laughs) You're getting in deeper every moment you're gone. You wanna step back and get in your car again, please? Now, I swear, three days ago, neither one of us would've ever pulled a stunt like this, but if you was able to meet my husband, you'd understand why. What? So, Louise, shoot the radio. Get
1: the police radio, Louise. Got it. Thelma and Louise. Hey, like the vacation so far? Little <laughs> <laughs> we'll bit be drinking margaritas by the sea, Mamacita.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know about this movie.
1: All right, so this is why I saved this conversation for the podcast. You told me that you, you didn't really enjoy this movie. I have to tell you that I thoroughly enjoyed this Did movie. Did you? This was a great movie. I, I've never seen this movie before, and I enjoyed from start to finish this movie. I enjoyed parts
0: of this movie. All of it. All right, so look, let's do the plot first. Give me the plot, please. All right, so Thelma and Louise... Both unhappy with their lives. They're going on a weekend trip and Thelma nearly gets raped and Louise saves her by killing the man that was raping her uh, or attempting to rape her and right. they they go on the run because now they're scared. That That's basically the plot. Yeah. that And it's fine. This is... this is. A, I got no problem with the plot. I got no problem with all of that. Like I said, I like parts of this movie, but there's literally four parts of this movie that I enjoyed and everything else... I didn't. And then we're talking about five-minute scenes that I thought were fantastic. I'm just going to say, the the pace of the movie, the growth of the characters, the only one that grows is Thelma. Every other character in this movie is so one-toned. Like, they don't develop. They don't change. They just, it's it's very, uh, what's the word for someone who, monotone. Their characters are monotone, except for Thelma. She goes from timid woman to absolute badass, and I loved her. I love Gina Davis's performance. Everyone else was the same person from start to finish. That's fair, but I look at this movie more as
1: like an indie film rather than a blockbuster. I don't know thing. how you could
0: call it an indie film. It's directed by Ridley Scott.
1: Um, listen, maybe if I finish my point before you interject on how I'm wrong, I could tell you how I have an opinion. It's an indie film in the sense that it's more like a character piece where it's very subtle where... They set out to just—they had—they in the beginning of the movie, they set out to just have a girls' weekend. They were going up to some guy's log cabin that they knew to go fishing, spend the weekend, and go back home to their shitty lives. Right? Then the the guy wants to rape uh Gina Davis, Thelma, because he's there and she's there. So we just rape—that's just what men do, I guess. Apparently, right? She's there. The man's attempting to rape her. Okay. Then her friend Susan Sarandon, Louise comes to save her, and the guy has no remorse for what he was trying to do. So Susan Sarandon
0: shoots him. Right? That's the. the and decision. it was in cold blood too. It was. It wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. She was already saved, and she killed him because she was disgusted by him. Now, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have killed him because a man like that deserves to yeah, die. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. But, but you she made that. Decision. Him. <laughs> you made that decision. Right.
1: So now here they are. Now you went from. You had a life. It was shitty. You weren't really happy with it, but you know you weren't being hunted for murder, right? Yeah. So To now you're in this this position. Then things progress, and, and we'll come back to it. We'll circle around again. We'll come back to it. But it goes to the point where they're out of money and they're out of they're they're on the run from the cops. So what is they what, what do they do? Gina Davis, Thelma, yeah. and now this makes is, the decision. Let me just finish. What do you mean just finish? You've been talking for twenty minutes. I just want to run down quick. <laughs> The whole movie? Yeah, and then we could circle back. Just you alone? No. I'll just sit
0: here and listen. Go ahead.
1: I'm just trying to get to where I was going. (laughs) Thelma robs a convenience store, right? Now she's on camera. So now any chance they had of going to the cops and saying that, yo, it was self-defense sort of thing. Now that's out the window because they're criminals, right? So now they're in this. They were... I'm just saying that my point... I guess it's not a long story short because it's just, just a long, a long story, story. But they were two women who, who were in a position and now they're fucked. Like, that's just more I, of like... That's that's more of like a snapshot of two characters in like three days of their lives. Which is more
0: along the lines of an indie film. All right. And I understand the, the story and I like the story. I, I, I like the idea of the story, I should say. Because I don't like the way that the story... Was given to us I Like I said You know Brad Pitt's in this movie And I thought He was almost useless Useless I agree um, Harvey Keitel was in this movie And he God was, did they
1: waste him He No 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 He was the only Only male character In this entire movie With any redeeming qualities He was the only man That wasn't a
0: piece of shit yeah, He wasn't in the movie enough I, and, and I guess maybe that's on, on purpose. I don't know. But then you don't need Harvey Keitel for that role. That's the problem. All right. Let let, let, let me
1: steer this conversation. Let's start from the beginning. So the two characters, they have inc- inconsequential lives, right? Yeah. Okay. One's a waitress. One's
0: a seemingly a homemaker. Okay? Right. And, okay. and again, I, I'm okay with the setup. I'm okay with what the story is. I'm not okay with its execution. That's the part that my pro- I have Why? the problem. It Where? was just everything in between like was just like I couldn't keep my eyes open in this movie. I fell asleep and had to rewind this movie like 6 or 7 times.
1: Like and I was fine. I was fine with all of, all of the all all of the inconsequentials, like all of the the stuff in between I was fine with because there are two people who that have no business being in the position that they're in. So they don't know what the, like they're sitting there trying to, in my in my opinion, in my view of this movie, they're sitting there trying to figure out how to go on with their normal day the best they can in spite of what's
0: just taken place. Listen, I'm not saying this is the worst movie ever made. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. I'm debating the fact of whether or not it's a good movie, not whether or not it's a bad movie. Uh, it was, It was a worthwhile movie. That's what I'll say. I'm not gonna say it was a good movie. I would. This is a thousand percent. You
1: cannot categorize this movie in other in any other way other than it's a chick flick. Okay, that's the so, best description of this movie. And I'm going to tell you that I would a thousand
0: percent watch this movie again by myself. You know what I need to do? All right. So let me for for complete clarity. So when I watched this movie, I could. I don't know. I guess I was being a cheap bastard and I watched it on YouTube. And it was a made-for-TV version spliced and put onto, like, the screen. So I'm wondering if that had some effect on my enjoyment of the movie. So maybe I'll have to rewatch it. But with that being said, I still feel like you have three amazing scenes in this movie. Okay. You have scene number one when they're at the bar, and Thelma is in the unfortunate situation where she's almost getting raped, and Louise is saving her and killing the man that's trying to rape her. Okay. Okay? That scene was amazing. Mainly because I think that's intense. Yeah, because not only was it intense, but it was the way it was done. It wasn't. It wasn't that she killed him while he was trying to rape her. Is that he stopped trying to rape her? She had saved Thelma, and she said, "You know what? Fuck this guy." Yeah, because he had no remorse. Right. So, awesome scene. Okay. Scene number two was when Gina Davis decided to rob the uh, convenience convenience store. store. That scene, you just she she made her full progression into what she was becoming. She went from home like. Weak-minded housewife to her own begging permission from her fa- from her husband to to just perfectly taking control of strangers in control of herself and of everyone around her yeah and not giving a damn yeah and the whole the whole the whole speech in that the, in that convenience store is some of my favorite dialogue um, dialogue in a movie that I've heard seen in a long time okay finally that last thirty seconds of the movie when they decide to drive off the cliff. Just, oh, the cliff off the Grand, Grand Canyon. Canyon. Like, spoiler alert. Yeah, well, spoiler. I mean, if you're watching, listening to if you <laughs> if you know movies, you've seen this. Yeah. Stuff. Outside of that, though, I I just I didn't I didn't want to be watching it. it yeah, it, but see, it could right, have so been a half hour TV episode, and it would have been a great yeah, see, great that, half hour. That's television. where we
1: differ, though, because like I like I li- I some of my favorite parts of movies are in the subtlety and nuance. Of when characters are doing virtually nothing. That's when like
0: I really appreciate. That's why I love Tarantino. So you films. really appreciated when they pulled up to that gas station and there was just some random muscle man in the middle of the gas station just yeah, no, doing that, curls. That, that guy was super weird.
1: But there was a lot of that. There was a lot of the southern people in the middle of nowhere staring at them. While Like the old man, the old two women in, that were in like the restaurant that were staring out the window at her. At Thelma, when or at Louise, rather, when Thelma was robbing a convenience store, a lot of that oddity. I, I'm on board with all of that, all of the weirdness that's right up my alley. Uh, so, you're talking to the wrong guy. Look, man, uh, we'll move on because we got what a, we got, what about Bob coming? So, we'll move on, <laughs> but we'll agree to disagree. I'm telling you that this movie deserves to watch. Directed by Ridley, Ridley Scott.
0: Scott, who is one of my everyone's everyone's, everyone's yes, favorite, yes.
1: Directed Alien Blade Runner gladiator hannibal black Hawk down matchstick men american gangster body of lies the martian among other movies matchstick men is
0: i think i've already said this is like such an underrated super underrated yeah
1: one of uh uh nicholas cage's best roles yeah Yeah. he he actually plays a real character not a madman (laughs) maniac so alien i'm just gonna go on record and saying because i don't know if i've ever had the opportunity to say alien top five of my movies
0: yeah, it's in my top ten. I wouldn't say top five for me, but top ten. Fair. Best scene. Best scene is uh Thelma robbing the uh, convenience store. Okay, good scene. We went over it. Yeah. My best scene is the scene with
1: Earl the truck driver, when they get him to the, they finally can like they can. This guy Earl is a huge. Another misogynistic piece of shit, right? He, every t- he's a, a semi-driver. Every time he sees the girls driving their car, he's making jerk-off motions and sticking his tongue out them and talking about his dick and this complete piece of shit, right? So they see him for, like, the fourth or fifth time, whatever it was. They get him to pull over like they were going to have, like, a threesome with him. And then this is, like, way late in the movie, so they their development has gone to the point where, you know, they're, they've lost their mind sort of thing. And they get Earl, they tell him what, you know, they get him, coerce him out of his truck. And then they, he thinks he's going to have sex, but they tell him what a piece of shit he is. They shoot up his truck. They blow up his truck. He's driving like fuel or whatever and leave Earl in the middle of nowhere to fend for himself.
0: This scene was cut out of what I watched. Mm
1: -hmm. And they've watched the movie again, bro. So, so that was my favorite scene because they got... Earl was a piece of shit, got what, what he deserved, street. and didn't get murdered. So, it was, like, the the proper
0: repercussions for his actions. All right. All right. Worst scene? I didn't think anything was that bad to have a worse scene. I just thought everything was just... It just was. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I think you watched a shit version, man. All right, maybe.
1: I don't have a worse scene either, and, and I wanted to play the game, and I know that we have to play the game, but, like... I watched the movie and there wasn't a foul note. So there wasn't a scene that was like, this doesn't belong. This sucks. Or this person did a shit job. There was none of that. Maybe Shooter McGavin standing on pizza. No, (laughs) because my best role is Shooter McGavin. (laughs) We didn't even go through everyone that's in this movie. This is fucking... I'm sorry. Susan Sarandon's Louise... Gina Davis is Thelma. Harvey Keitel is Hal. He's the cop. Michael Madsen is Jimmy. He's Gina Davis's husband. Or boyfriend. No, sorry. It's uh, Susan Sarandon's boyfriend. boyfriend. Christopher McDonald, who's Shooter McGavin, is Daryl, who's Thel- Thelma's husband. Steven Tobolowski, who's Needle Nose Ned from oh, I Groundhog's about Day. Tobolowski. He's Max. He's the FBI, like head FBI Working agent or with whatever. Cartel. Brad Pitt is wasted in this fucking movie. A- anybody who has ever seen clips of Brad Pitt in this movie, he has, like, the most minuscule, insequential... Yeah, but it was
0: his breakout role because of his abs. Yeah, well, he did have abs, but he was also, <laughs> like,
1: 20 years old and super skinny. He yeah. plays JD, who's a love interest of Gina Davis. Well, he's also the catalyst in the of
0: them going over the edge. He robs them. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's true. Okay. Uh, as far as far as his acting goes,
1: he's not really acting. He's just we're all there. over the place in this fucking thing right now. <laughs> Christopher McDonald is my favorite role. Gina Davis was a close second. That was my favorite. Gina Listen, Davis. Christopher McDonald, I ev- couldn't stand him every time. To- yeah, you couldn't stand him. You know why? Because you were supposed you were to hate supposed him. Supposed to?
0: No, I don't mean I couldn't stand him as a part. Yeah, obviously they got that. They they conveyed that. I mean, I couldn't stand him as like I didn't. He wasn't a believable human being to me. Sorry, he was. The quintessential piece of shit. He was
1: supposed to be a piece of shit. He was a piece of shit. And you hated his guts. And he was Therefore, too far a piece of shit. No. Not at all. Okay. He was a great piece of shit. Christopher McDonald.
0: Best role. Worst oh. role? Michael Madsen, mainly because I hate his face. Bro, what's but- with
1: Michael Madsen being the same <laughs> guy in every movie he's ever played it's in? It's like he...
0: Who does he want to be? He wants. He wants to be, to be James Dean. That's what it. Is yeah. He wants that. That
1: like the look the of the squint, the squint, and the, the the furled eyebrow, and like and, and like you're right. And he he must like have a pack of cigarettes it, rolled up in his sleeve. It's like it's like he smoked. He's smoking a cigarette, and the smoke is billowing up into his eyes. That's the face he makes in every scene he's ever been in, and he's soft spoken, even when he's he's raging. Right at the one point, he's. Tearing shit off the table, flipping tables over, but he never changes his tone. Yeah.
0: It's I don't a, know. He's just always... Michael Madsen, I don't hate you, but also, I maybe hate I hate you. <laughs> so that was my worst role. I just, I can't look at his face. I can't, that, like, that face that you're talking, I can't. Yeah, the I same can't, face can't in every scene. It. Yeah, I hate it. Most quotable line? Uh, That whole speech when robbing the bank, like, that that whole thing. I'm not going to sit here and quote it right now, but... That, fair that whole speech was fantastic the, all right so my most and
1: it was ripped off from yeah from Brad Pitt <laughs> yeah Brad Pitt told her the whole thing she and, did it better though yeah and then all right so my most quotable line Thelma to the state trooper so they get pulled over at some point after they're on the run by a state trooper and uh Thelma has now the state trooper at gunpoint because they had Louise in the car and uh She's talking to the state trooper, and the state trooper's got the gun pointed at him. He's like, he's like, please, I have a wife and kids or whatever. And uh, Thelma's response to him is, oh, yeah, you do, huh? You're lucky. She's like, be sweet to him, especially to your wife. My husband wasn't sweet to me, and look how I turned out. <laughs> I thought That's that was a funny. Line, yeah,
0: That's a good line.
1: I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm just saying that I didn't love it. All right, so anyway, as far as Thelma and Louise goes, would you recommend to watch it? <laughs>
0: I'd say yes because it's it's film history, but I just I
1: I'm not gonna rewatch it. All right. I say a thousand percent watch it and I will rewatch
0: it. So all right, coming in at number two, earning sixty three point seven million dollars. What about Bob? Just when Leo Marvin thought he was getting away from it all. As of this afternoon, I'm taking my family on vacation. His old friend Bob Wiley showed up.
1: Oh, my God. I really appreciate this. I don't want any of you letting Bob into this house. He's
0: a sweet guy. Did we work Bob over for dinner? Would you like some more chicken, Bob? Mmm. Mmm. When you stop that, please? You're angry. No, I don't get it. You're upset. <laughs> Next, Leo,
1: take a vacation.
0: Come on, vacation! Touchstone Pictures presents Bill Murray. Hello, I'm Bob. Would you knock me out, please? And Richard Dreyfuss. This man is crazy. Get out! Why'd you need to kick Bob out of the house? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? What about Bob? Rated PG. Okay, bro. This movie, I've seen it at least, at least, and I'm really not exaggerating, at least 30 times. Yeah, I, I got to be closer to 50. And I I left the entire time I'm watching
1: this movie. All right, so let, let me preempt this with saying that my wife, Elena, this is the only movie that I could get her to watch at, at upon request. Like, if we're sitting around and and we can't figure out to what, what to watch, and uh, now I'm like, want to watch What About Bob?, her response is always
0: yes. Yeah. I, I can attest to this. I've been here for one of these moments, two of these moments, maybe even three of these moments. Yeah. So <laughs> having a couple of beers and just, what are we watching tonight? What about Bob? And Elena's like, yes, from the other room and comes and sits down and watch the movie.
1: <laughs> this is the only movie that we can agree on to
0: this extent. So I, if you don't like this movie, then I hate you. <laughs> what about Bob? Is It's a top quality comedy from start to finish. There's not a dull Bill moment. Murray at his finest. Richard Dreyfuss just... You want to talk about character progression? I've <laughs> uh, never seen a character on screen change from the start to finish to be such a different person. And the acting is amazing. And it's a comedy. Yeah, so acting top-notch. Dreyfuss, one of my
1: all-time favorite actors. Bill Murray great character actor and that's really
0: all the movie entails. Like everybody yeah. else is superfluous. This like is there. They could be there or not there. Right. It, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference. The, the interactions between Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus are are uncomparable. I I don't know if there's more chemistry in a comedy between two like opposing figures like this where you have like, you know, like they hate each other. Yes. One hates them. Bob doesn't even know what's going on. So it doesn't it's not like he hates Dreyfus's character. It's just Dreyfus hates him and Bob's just living his life. All right. So let's do the plot very quickly. What do you have for the plot? All right. So Bob is a self-diagnosed insane person, I guess, <laughs> who who is just scared of everything, fearful of Hypochondriac. Everything. Hypochondriac. Just can't get out of his own way. And he's referred to Richard Dryvis's character, Dr. Leo Marvin, to help him with his problems by a former doctor who... Has quit the practice because of Bob. Yes.
1: So, Bob was the former doctor's patient. And because Bob is so intense. It's so, Bob. Yeah. The, the, the other doctor quit and referred him to Dr. Leo Marvin played by Richard
0: Dreyfuss. So, he catches Leo Marvin on his last day before vacation. And Bob can't handle this. So what does Bob do? Bob hunts Leo Marvin down and finds him on vacation and spends Leo Marvin's entire vacation with him.
1: That's that's the basis of the movie. So before we get to that, what about the first time we see Bob in his apartment with Gil the
0: fish? Gil is, Gil is one of my favorite characters in this movie. <laughs> Gil's a goldfish and he has a great role. He, he's there the entire time.
1: What about when Bob walks out of his apartment and he's saying, "I feel good, I feel, I feel great. great, I feel wonderful," and <laughs> someone then someone
0: just starts cursing like obscenities yeah. and he just no, oh, and, I feel good, oh, I feel
1: great, and and so then he walks out of his New York City apartment and then like makes a turn and then <laughs> the bus just passes uh, by, yeah, a garbage, garbage a garbage truck passes by, and then the Bob's scene after, the you see that you see Bob crawling <laughs> on his hands and knees because he can't take reality. <laughs>
0: Everything about this movie is, like I said, I, I actually have a note here. I'm, I'm 45 minutes into the movie and I haven't stopped laughing. What
1: about when Bob goes to Dr. Leo Marvin's office and he's faking the, uh, the symptoms to the diseases that he doesn't have?
0: <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. He goes, he, I have this written down. This the, the simplest way to put it, I have problems. <laughs> he's like, define problems. <laughs> it's weird nausea cold sweats hot sweats fingernail numbness <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts talking about Tourette's he starts screaming <laughs> he, he's, he's cock shit
1: he's like, he's like why are you doing that he's like if I fake it I don't have it
0: <laughs> the movie it's like and, and from that point on it's just insanity and then how about like two minutes later when Leo Marvin's like oh I got just the book for you and Dreyfus goes to the shelf, and he starts pretending to look around the shelf. He goes, ah, oh, here it is. And he pulls out his own book from a shelf of nothing but his own book. Hold on. Wait, like, wait. For, for the visual. 30 of them. For the visual. It's a bright yellow
1: book. The book has a bright yellow cover, and there's like a 100 of them on his shelf. And he's li- he's pretending to look around for the book like he can't find it. And he looks down, and there's like a 100 of these books. He's like, ah, oh, there it is. And it's baby steps. So then we get the baby steps to everything. Baby steps get on the bus. Baby steps get on the elevator. Baby steps get on the bus. Baby steps to four o'clock. So, right. So another personal reference, okay? Because, I, I might have some issues myself. (laughs) So at certain points, I pace around the house. Like when I'm, especially when I'm waiting to go somewhere. But it's I'm always early or on time, right? To go places. Okay. And then. I'll be waiting to leave because I don't want to be super early. So Elena, will, Elena, will see me like pacing around the house, like all dressed up, ready to go somewhere, and she'll be
0: like baby steps to four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when a husband and wife can reference a movie, especially one as good as this. It's it's yes, that's, that's what makes me attracted <laughs> to her. So then, then Bob's on his own because Leo Marvin's going on vacation. And he starts to manipulate the the woman at the answering service. What's her name again? Betty. Uh, yes. Is it Betty? Yes, it is Betty. <laughs> Thank you. Poor Betty was just caught in
1: the middle. He's in calling multiple times, trying to figure out where Doctor Leo
0: Marvin is. And he's oh, it's a it's Martha's Vineyard, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's. Can't keep being all to yourself. He's in person. <laughs>
1: He's impersonating his sister.
0: Yes, he has the he has the the, the, prostitute. the prostitute call.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who's Janice from the Sopranos?
0: Oh my god, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's a fantastic uh call. Yep. Yeah. Uh then he shows up and he pretends to be the detective. <laughs> He's, Bob's dead. He killed himself not 11 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good (laughs) it was like 11 minutes that he said right or 13 minutes yeah (laughs) something ridiculous
1: like that (laughs) all right let's get into some categories so we do not spend all day here just
0: talking about the movie
1: frank oz directed this movie this is another we have three notable directors directing the top three movies this month frank oz directed the dark crystal dirty rotten scoundrels little shop of horrors the score with robert de niro and edward norton and he also has 48 acting credits including Yoda. So he yeah, uh, he voiced Yoda in all of the movies, all of them. So the the prequels, the regular, the sequels, whatever, voiced them all.
0: And the Muppet show, the he Muppets. does a, he does a lot of voices on the Muppet show. Yeah. Uh, he actually was just quoted recently as saying he'll never do another Muppet show as long as Disney owns the property. Well, is not that know. interesting? But he also said he's never been approached. So,
1: you know, down with the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep the theme going. All right. Uh, What's your best scene in this movie full of best scenes? It's impossible. Impossible to choose. I agree with you a thousand percent. But if you had to pick your favorite one. (sighs) All right. So I have one.
0: Go ahead. Let me hear your favorite.
1: When when, When Bob's sleeping in Ziggy's room. And he Leo comes in to try to wake him up for, because Good Morning <laughs> yes. America is coming. And he's
0: screaming he's and shaking him. Scre-
1: no, he's jumping up and down on top of Bob. And he's screaming, Bob, Bob, wake up, Bob. <laughs> cock <Cock-a-doodle-doo>. a <laughs> The cock a kills me every time. Screaming at the top of his lungs and jumping up and down on Bob. And he it's, won't wake up. But, but, but even then... He won't even flinch. But then... Bob's alarm wakes up, goes like up goes off, and Bob immediate. wakes up so peacefully immediately.
0: <laughs> <It's> so peacefully. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be my favorite scene. That's a good scene. I also I like the dinner scene. Oh, the dinner, <laughs> the dinner scene, scene is, might be. Mm, I think you know what I'm going with the mm, dinner. Mm, mm, this is so mm. scrumptious. <laughs> is this this coin is delicious? Is, is this hand shucks?
1: shucks? How, else, you shuck How else would you shuck a corn? <laughs> He's like. There's the salad. He's like, Can you, would put you some like more some more of that? No, no, no,
0: no. She goes, Bob, would you like some more salad? He's like, You know, I think I do. <laughs> he's like, He's like, Would you stack it high and eat
1: for me? And then she puts a tomato no, on there. He's deep. like, Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Could you get that tomato off of there, please? <laughs> he can't remove it himself. And then, and then he goes back to the, mm, <laughs> mm.
0: and then Leo's like, Will you stop that? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then. And then Leo's choking. Yeah. And then that's Bob jumping on Leo. (laughs) Yes. Knee in the back. I love the fact that Bob is
1: clearly so annoying in this movie, and the only other person that could see it in the entire movie is Leo. And well, That's the, everybody funny, that's the else, best part of the movie. Yeah, but that's also the frustrating part of the movie because everybody else in the movie loves Bob except Leo. But you're sort of on Leo's side because they're like, well, Bob is an annoying But that's fuck. what
0: makes this movie work, right? Because you have to... You have to... You have to side with Leo. You have to have, like, yeah, the... the what's the word when you... You have to have empathy for Leo. Like you can't, yeah. You can't hate him. You have to like him. Yeah. And the way they do that is by showing you, like, you have this opinion on Bob too. You don't like Bob. Bob's not a person you'd want to hang out with. Sure, he's a nice enough guy, but I wouldn't want to spend an afternoon with him. Right. Yeah. You are right in saying that. <laughs> That's true. This this movie, comedy wise, I mean, it's got to be in my top ten, top fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I, I might rank it higher than that after rewatching it this time, because. Uh, you know, it's always just been that movie that's been there that I know I loved. But yeah, I didn't, you don't appreciate but it. But when I watched it this time, like yeah. for the podcast, I really paid attention, like really honed in on it. And it's just like I said, Bill Murray doesn't have a single line that's not funny in this whole movie. Him and Dreyfus, their chemistry together, even
1: though like if you read the like the backstory of what actually happened on set. It's the same story every time. Bill Murray's ever in a movie where Bill Murray shoot. was a disrespectful <laughs> piece of shit that didn't care about times or set times or and and you know Dreyfus didn't act like that. So they say that Murray was a bully and Dreyfus like took the brunt of it. But Dreyfus has been a, a I, I yeah, love but Dreyfus
0: said the same thing in Jaws. Yeah, about
1: Quint, about yeah. what's his name, Robert Shaw. But yeah. look. I, I'm not gonna sit here and try and figure out what's what because I have no bearing other than what I'm told. I love Dreyfus, you know, and I also love Bill Murray. So whatever the the argument is, it is. But it made for a great movie. So, uh, uh,
0: so a note I just happened to look over that I made, and I really wanted to bring this up. Yeah. So while I'm watching this movie, I notice I, I'm like, you know, the, the 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 actress that plays Dreyfus's daughter, and I don't have that. Is I have it, uh,
1: Catherine erb
0: e r b e Catherine Erb. So I'm I know I'm like she looks really familiar. What else has she been in? And I'm like I think she was in Back to the Future Part 2. But obviously she's not in Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> I thought she when was michael, marty but michael j fox is plays the daughter his daughter yeah she looks so when much you said like that, that that's character. exactly what
1: i thought and we haven't had this conversation <laughs> no. before
0: and yeah i couldn't get it out of my head the entire movie i'm like is this michael j fox <laughs> in disguise <laughs> that's great all right do you have a worse scene because i don't no, there's no if i had to pick a worse scene go ahead it's uh, probably when Dreyfus just goes so over the top and is basically gonna murder Bob because, like, I, I get why they did it and I get I get why they went there and I did yeah, laugh. Mo- and I, yeah, but it, it just, is
1: the worst part of the movie. Like, that's a fact. The end went off the rails a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah. I wish they would have reeled it back in a little bit with that. But then you know the the very end is good too. Where no, like, I thought the very end was amazing. Yeah. Where Dreyfus I know, I goes I catatonic until I, yes. until Bob's marrying his
1: sister. Yeah no you're a thousand percent right you're you're not wrong at all so I agree with him
0: and I don't necessarily hate it I just it, I just think it was a little too too much that's all yep I agree best role you only I, have two to pick from. They, but they, they're both who without did you one pick, you don't though? have the other I, who
1: did you pick I picked Dreyfus I I picked Bill <laughs> Murray and Dreyfus is is
0: more of my favorite actor I, the only reason I I did that is because I thought Dreyfus acted better than Murray right, so, I so and Murray is and, and while Murray's hysterical the whole movie, he, he's Murray. He's Bill Murray. Does Bill Murray really do anything different no, in his movies? No. But,
1: but my my decision making process was such that Dreyfus might be replaceable with somebody else in the movie, still worked. I don't think the movie works without anybody other than Bill Murray playing Bob. Fair. So, fair. Worst role? I thought you could pick from the mother or the daughter. I don't pick Ziggy because Ziggy was I, fine. I liked him, but the because, mother of the daughter you was like. like Hook. That's why. Yes. Also, since we didn't discuss it,
0: uh, Charlie Corismo is the kid from Hook who plays uh, Ziggy Marvin. Um, if I yeah, if I had to pick someone, I'd probably say the daughter more than the mother. I think uh, the mother more than the daughter for me. It'd be more because, of an acting thing that to me, because the daughter actually played a role in the movie, but yeah. the mother didn't really have a role, but the no. woman who was acting. For the mother it was fine, but the daughter was not such a great
1: actress. I liked her when she w- when they was doing the puppets, <laughs> and she was like, "Bob is fun." <laughs> he's like, "Your father is kind of fun," <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that strife is not the daughter. <laughs> yeah, well, it,
1: she did good yelling at her father. So, all right,
0: most quotable
1: lines. Let's narrow oh, it down my to a few. You go first. I'll go in second.
0: <laughs> when he's talking to Siggy on the uh, dock, yes, Siggy's dying after. <laughs> After reporting, and he starts telling them. So he's like, "Well, what, what, what is it about selling? I like, it makes my lips numb just talking, just thinking about it, and it's about talking like the thumbs of the rest <laughs> of the scene." <laughs> All
1: right, so I got. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. I got baby steps to four o'clock. Then the next one we haven't discussed is when after he sells. But he wasn't really sailing because he was tied Uh, to the mast. I'm sailing. I sailed. He was tied to the mast of the sailboat. And then he gets off and he goes to Dr. Marvin. He's like, is that a breakthrough? I'm a sailor now. Did you see? I
0: sailed. (laughs) I'm a sailor. You know what I noticed this time and I never noticed it before? He has life preservers wrapped around his legs. (laughs) I didn't notice (laughs) that.
1: That's a good call.
0: They're like on his knees as if his knees were his head. Nice. (laughs) Nice. All right. Oh, by the way, the line from the dinner scene was Faye, this is scrumptious Is it hand-shocked? <laughs> Fucking hand-shocked <laughs> Wait, Bob gets on the bus He sits down and immediately turns to the guy and goes, hello, I'm Bob Can you knock me out, please? <laughs> Just punch me in the face
1: <laughs>
0: That same scene
1: when he goes to throw up in the bag He's like, hmm And he turns to the guy, he's like, false alarm
0: <laughs> No, that was, that was at the... Uh, the Good Morning America scene. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And <laughs> then he, she's, he's like,
1: baby steps, get on the bus. And the bus driver's like, can you get on the bus now, Bob? We got a baby schedule to keep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to know why. Why did the bus driver know Bob?
1: <laughs> I don't know. But she also tolerated him.
0: <laughs> but when Bob gets off the bus in like, when when Winnipesaukee and the whole bus cheers. <laughs> yes. That's
1: great. Also, when they were doing the, the, the Good Morning America interview. And he, Leo accidentally calls Bob boob. And then Bob's you can like, call me boob. he's like, you can bo- call me boob. And then Leo goes, you got to watch the scene. But Leo goes, I don't really want to call him boob. <laughs> but the way he does it, like with the hand gestures, I lose it every single time. That's his break into madness right yes, there. That's yes. where it's
0: really starting to take yeah. form. And he's just losing his mind. All right. Do you have any more quotable lines? I'm good at that. Just, the, I said it before, the one, the, when he's looking... Hmm, where is it oh here it is <laughs> the he's looking for the book oh yeah that's so good <laughs> all right so all in all this movie
1: is a four and a half out of five stars for me so
0: i, I yeah I, I can't give it any lower I
1: could I could spend more time on it but in an effort to conserve time we'll move on
0: hold on hold on <laughs> after the <laughs> After the good morning America scene, after they wave goodbye to everyone, you think Bob's left? Yeah. He's like, You think he's he's gone? Gone. Gone? You think he's gone? He's never gone. That's the point. And he opens the door, and Bob's just in. Yeah.
1: All right. Coming in at number one, backdraft, grossing $77.8 million.
0: It's like organized confusion, over, over uh, three, 400 degrees in temperature. And then you just got these guys that are running into this building. Everybody else is running out. And these lunatics are running in. Is that a real Chicago Fireman's outfit I see on you? It's in the blood, Willie. When I heard that both McCaffrey brothers were being assigned here at this station together, my heart was filled with a, a sudden desire to transfer. Brian, <laughs> hey! damn you!
1: Let's just have one drill, Lieutenant. Now one for the company, and one for me. You have a bad day here? Somebody dies.
0: Check that door for heat. I mean, is that an accident or is it ours? I'll give that answer as soon as I do.
1: I'm starting to get the feeling that your office is dragging out this
0: case. How do we know if the floor's gonna be on fire in one of these? Well, when the door's open, if it's hot, don't get out.
1: They show me a fire truck.
0: So you punched out a window for ventilation? Was that before or after you noticed you were standing in a lake of gasoline? You shouldn't have had him up there in the first place! You burned him, Steven! got a stone killer trying to make a point. Three guys have died already this year because of the cuts made by your task force. You guys should just try picking up the phone once in a while, you know?
1: All right, Chris, the number one movie. What'd I, you think? I enjoyed it. Listen, I enjoyed it. I gotta tell you, I, I I can't remember when, if ever to date, I've enjoyed all three movies to the level that I've enjoyed these three movies. Backdraft, I feel I feel like I was missing out not watching it at least
0: once or twice a year over the past few years i haven't seen backdraft since the 90s yeah it's been a while too and there's a lot like there's there's a lot of good about this movie um we'll get into it a little bit more but like the, the parts of this movie i didn't like were just like the 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 firemen are my superhero like like the the vibes like the, like the, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me was being a fireman like that whole attitude it just felt a little over the top to me but outside of that i really enjoyed this movie
1: all right, I'm going to steer this conversation because we've been really fucking up with keeping any <laughs> sort of structure. So, Kurt Russell plays Stephen McCaffrey. Billy Baldwin plays Brian McCaffrey. Robert De Niro plays Donald Rimgale. Donald Sutherland plays Ronald Bartel. Jan- Jennifer Jason Lee plays Jennifer Vaitkus. V-A-I-T-K-U-S. Scott Glenn, who's uh, the uh, Clarice's superior in... Silence of the yeah. Lambs plays John Adcox, and Rebecca De Mornay plays Helen McCaffrey, the wife of Kurt Russell, Stephen McCaffrey. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top-notch actors in this movie. Can
0: I tell you, too, this is my favorite performance by a Baldwin up to this point in the uh, podcast? I'm going to get to that. We'll get to that <laughs> in a second.
1: Give me the plot, if you have it, please.
0: Um, two brothers become firemen uh, because their father was a fireman who died in a fire. And, you know, they're constantly at each other's throats. Uh, The one brother. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is like a lieutenant, I think. Right. And the younger brother later in life, he's actually like too old to really be a rookie fireman, decides to become a fireman. Yeah. The older brother makes sure he's at his firehouse. Yeah. And it just is a lot of battles between the brothers that leads to the younger brother played by Billy Baldwin going off to work with Robert De Niro as a fire inspector. Yeah. and, they and they're chasing this, a uh, this the serial arsonist. They, yeah. they they uncover this plot of the serial arsonist. All
1: right, so let me let you in on the the fifteen minute roller coaster ride that I was on. That was the beginning of this movie. So the scene opens up with Kurt Russell, right, and the two younger boys. I'm like, <laughs> I, all right. So let me it blew get, my mind too because I was like, wait, because he's uncredited as that role. Let me preface this with. I haven't seen this movie in 20-plus years, right? I legit haven't seen it since the 90s. So you don't know what role Kurt Russell's playing? I have no idea what's going on in any f- aspect of this movie. Little did we know, Kurt Russell plays two roles. So Kurt Russell, I'm like, great, this is a Kurt Russell movie. I'm fucking on board. Here we go, Kurt Russell, right? <laughs> then the first you know, opening sequences of this movie, Kurt Russell dies as the father. And I'm like... I'm thinking to myself, I'm waiting, right? So he dies in a fire with his little boy, who turns out to be Billy Baldwin, watching him die in this fire. I'm like, nah, it's Kurt Russell, like he's gonna get out, right? And then he doesn't get another up. couple seconds. The fire gets worse. Maybe he gets out and he's burned, right? another couple seconds the whole floor that he's on is engulfed <laughs> in flames so i'm like are you fucking kidding me i just signed up for a kurt russell movie and you're gonna kill kurt Rus- russell in the first five minutes of this movie right
0: little did you know
1: so wait hold on let me give you the roller coaster so now i'm pissed off that kurt russell's dead then we come back to a full-grown bill billy baldwin and i'm like oh my god it's did, a did you guys just substitute kurt russell for billy baldwin and Am I about to watch a Billy Baldwin movie instead of a Kurt Russell movie? <laughs> I'll turn this piece of shit off right now. Forget this podcast, right? I'm livid. And then Billy Baldwin, about 10 to 15 minutes into the movie, goes to a fire where he sees Kurt Russell walking out in a fireman's costume. So I'm like, ah. Oh. But a
0: young Kurt Russell.
1: That's He's obviously hallucinating or reminiscing seeing his father walk out in the fireman costume he tries to like shake it off sort of thing and looks back and it's still kurt russell walking to him i'm like wait a second is kurt russell is that really kurt russell he's gonna play another role right now (laughs) turns out it's kurt russell now as the brother do you know how they differentiated between kurt russell the brother and kurt russell the father they had a mole on his cheek as the father.
0: Was that? <laughs> that was the difference. But anyway, he's so, a little older looking too. They made him look older. So I was ecstatic. I, I was I was very confused about this too. I actually paused the movie and I was like, "What's going on? Well, why is and Kurt Russell's uncredited as the father?" So, like, it's not even listed on IMDb. Like, it doesn't say Kurt Russell plays father and yes. son. It just says Kurt Russell plays son. And I'm like, who the fuck was this actor that looked and sounded exactly like Kurt Russell? <laughs> Bro. So, I, like, regardless of how ridiculous it is that they
1: did that with Kurt Russell, the fact that Kurt Russell was back in the movie, I was a thousand right. percent on board. But with can
0: that. we talk about that first scene? Because I know I said I hated the fanboying of Fireman, right? Yeah. Which for the most of the movie is true. I hated it because I just thought it was so over the top. I didn't hate it in the beginning because it was the sons fanboying over their father. Like I th- found that to be right. which is endearing, why, which is why I didn't like the rest of it because I was like I, it felt like it took away from that. Like it was like it was supposed to be this big emotional connection of the, the sons to the father and how much they loved the father for being a fireman and how much they looked up to him and they wanted to become firemen. Yeah. Like that whole buildup was great. The 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 hopping on the truck, the one son getting on and giving, sticking his tongue out to the brother, and like I got on the truck this time and so excited to be there and smiling at his dad and pulling the horn, and I was like, this is great. And then it's like, then the father dies, obviously, and it's a big letdown, and like it really was impactful. Yeah. That 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 bothered me a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, you're right. Insane. It was, it was. Too blatant and obvious and in-your-face where, like, or if you were a fireman, you were heralded. Which, not that you shouldn't be, but
0: like... No, no, it was over the top, fi- that's yeah, all. Yeah,
1: if a fireman walks down the street, you don't get like a round of applause and pats on the backs and high fives, which is like what this movie kind of right, did. you might
0: get a thank you for your service, Yeah, yeah. which is fine, and yeah. I would expect that and appreciate that, but yeah, it was just a little bit too much over the top. But then the, that whole thing had me dissecting everything that went into this movie. So I started taking my notes as usual, but specifically so I could go back to my father-in-law. No, because my father-in-law law doesn't like this movie yeah give the story why so so my father-in-law is a fireman in in new york city he was actually right in columbus circle um he's a driver for oh god engine i want to say 49 i can't remember it doesn't matter but he was a driver for the for for an engine company and he, when i told him i was gonna be watching this movie on the podcast he's like he goes yeah you know it's a decent movie he goes but i really don't like it i'm like oh why he goes because they got it all wrong i'm like what do you mean they got it all wrong he goes It's so stupid. You can't see in a fire. Everything's clear as day in this movie. Where's the smoke? You can't have fire without smoke. (laughs) He goes, if that were the case, being a fireman would be a hell of a lot easier. And he hates this movie now because of that. Okay. (laughs) But also, you can't make a movie where you can't see anything in it, right? I tried to explain this to him, and he did not care. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to be true to life. Okay. But anyway, so what I was doing while I was watching this movie is I was taking a lot of notes specifically for him. Yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me in this movie is how they refer to all the new, all the new firemen, the probational officers, yeah. uh, probational firemen as probies. Yeah, I mean, this is so stupid. Nobody would call anybody a probie. <laughs> like nobody would go around just calling them probies. So I go to my father in law and I'm like, "Hey, uh, what did you call the new guys that were, you know were on probation? Oh, you mean probies?" <laughs> <laughs> the most unoriginal name ever. So, apparently, this is a big thing in fire departments is to refer to the probational firemen as probies. Yeah. Like, and I was so bothered by the whole movie only to find out, no, this one's actually true to life. All right. Mov- <laughs> anyway, moving on from my father-in-law. All
1: those great stories, and I appreciate them. Can I ask you why I didn't have more De Niro
0: in this movie? Yeah. I, that's one of my big notes is that I wanted more De Niro. He was great from start to finish, and... Only in the movie for, like, what, maybe maybe 10 minutes? Less. Yeah. I'd have to say less. I'm not an actor, clearly.
1: I don't understand the art of it. Also, what I don't understand is how one man can be so clearly different from the rest of the other people in his craft. Like, he's on screen. Everyone, Billy Baldwin's there. Uh, And Billy Baldwin was good this movie And Kurt Kurt Russell was good this movie No I'm adding to your point Yeah no no you're right in saying that Like uh, normally I would hate Billy Baldwin Right right? But he was serviceable in this movie is Is the best way to describe him Kurt Russell who I normally love Was serviceable in this movie for the simple fact that he played alongside billy Baldwin most of the time which i think dragged down his performance a little bit in my opinion who knows if that's right or wrong but also to compare him to de niro in the same movie was like i love you kurt russell i really do love you and de niro just made you look like a whole different class below him
0: but she is I mean, maybe. De Niro's top echelon, right? I don't know. Tombstone,
1: like, one of my favorite movies of all time. So.
0: Yeah, but is it Kurt Russell that makes Tombstone that great movie? Because Kurt Russell, con- he's definitely a part of he's it. Arguably just, he's arguably just—he's like a just this. I don't like, know. Like don't don't
1: though, because I love him in, in the Tarantino movies and yeah. stuff. So I love a Kurt Russell. But I'm just saying that, like, I don't understand how
0: two men in the same movie can be like worlds apart. I mean, it's just. If you got it or you don't all the way have it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to make that point. I'm not an actor either. All right. Let's hit some topics,
1: and then maybe we'll find some more to discuss. Before we
0: go on to that, I just wanted to point out, I don't know if you know this, Hans Zimmer uh, did the music for not one, but two of our top three movies this month. Which were? Backdraft and Thelma and Louise. I didn't notice that, but I was noticing for some
1: reason... Wanted to take note of the people who did the music, and I think I enjoyed the score in this movie a lot it, because also the, the, the music, which I'm not a country music fan, but the music in Thelma and Louise seemed to be picked very specifically like a lot of female country singers, and you know, because I guess Chick Flick and all that. But
0: oh, so before you were asking why are men always dicks and chick flicks, yeah, right, this movie kind of explains why. Because like a movie like this, all the men have all the roles and the women are just like these crappy characters that have yeah. no depth. Jennifer Jason
1: Leigh, though, I got to tell you, the 90s looked good on Jennifer Jason Leigh, bro.
0: Was she not attractive? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she looked good, but Shitty I, I got a lot to say about, Gen- about Jennifer Jason Leigh.
1: Rebecca De Mornay, who's also a very good actress, and she had like the shittiest role in this movie. Yeah, but
0: what she had, she did okay. And she just had nothing. Yeah. Alright, uh, so this movie was directed by Ron Howard. That blew my mind. I had I, I had no idea that Ron Howard. Do you Howard know Ron Howard's been directing movies
1: since the eighties? Yeah. He's since the eighties. Like big time movies too. I right, so Splash, Cocoon, Willow, Parenthood. All right, here's one for you. Apollo
0: thirteen. Yeah, I knew that. I love Apollo thirteen. Ransom with Mel Gibson. Yeah, A Beautiful Mind. It's crazy. I know that these are all his movies. You know that, but also you don't really know <laughs> that. You know what I mean? Like, it's well, Cinder- that's what I'm saying. Like, Let's, it's crazy. I actually know the Cinderella Man. Yeah, The Da Vinci Code. Wait, I did not know the Da Vinci Code was Ron Howard, but it's also not the best of Ron Howard movie. Rush. This movie, Rush, with
1: um, Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, is a movie about. It's a true true story. About these two F1 drivers. Wild movie. You have to watch it. I've never seen it. I'll definitely
0: watch that. I've seen it. It's great. Solo, a Star Wars story? I think... Listen, I'm a big Star Wars guy, right? And I've spoken about this. As Han Solo, I don't like this movie. If you imagine he's not Han Solo, this movie's amazing.
1: (laughs) It's a good movie. But I understand what you're saying. Also, 2002 Best Picture, Best Director for A Beautiful Mind, Ron Howard.
0: You know what's great? Not one of those movies that you name is like a complete dud. Not one.
1: Well, I mean, he has others, obviously. Which oh, may you just, or may you not just be. pulled out. The, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I just pulled the ones that have... I thought you went through his whole IMDb there. <laughs> meaning to me. No. He's got a lot of credits. What about... I want to touch on this for a second. What's with the 90s smoking?
0: Well, Everyone like, smoked in the 90s.
1: But the... All right so they're in a fire and they're like they just so the, fire. the the fire has been like more or less put out and there's clearly smoke everywhere and they're smoking cigarettes the they, they got cigarettes dangling out of their faces because while they're putting the 80s, like out the
0: the fires the 80s and 90s everybody still smoked and ever smoking was just part of life my parents were smoking in our house in the early 90s, I was like seven years old, and my mom would just walk around the house with an ashtray and one hand and a cigarette in the other, like which was strange. We had an ashtray in the middle of our living room, mm-hmm. or our den, I should say. We weren't allowed in the living room.
1: It's <laughs> my favorite body house. <laughs> uh,
0: so, like, my, my great grandmother lived with us. All she did was smoke cigarettes. Like, <laughs> constantly. Like, everyone was just smoking, 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 smoking. It was like, that's the reason I didn't smoke, was because everyone smoked around me. And then, you know, you hit the 2000s, and then all of a sudden, you couldn't have smoking. Like, think about one of the big things about that movie Avatar people were so upset that Sigourney Weaver's character was always <sighs> smoking. Like, and like, why? What do you care? But it's like, oh, it's, it's bad for kids. Yeah. And it's like, So like we went from everyone smoke to we went from cartoons smoking
1: to now adults can't smoke on screen. So anyway, Anyway. all right, let's let's hit some uh, some more um, categories. What's your best scene?
0: So I had two. Uh, The first one I'm going to talk about. This wasn't my winner. It was like my second place was the fight at the retirement party. Just because I felt like that encapsulated – is that a word, encapsulated? Encapsulated. Encapsulated. I feel like that encapsulated the real trueness of, like, brotherly love. Mm. Like, they hated each other. In the moment. They were at each other's throats. But then as soon as Kurt Russell was Was, getting his ass kicked, Billy Baldwin came out of nowhere and just took that guy off him. And I'm like, that's brothers because they hate each other. But no, you're not going to kick – or it was the other way around. It was Kurt Russell came out of nowhere to protect – no, you had it right. I had it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that that's brothers. You know, like, I'm the only one that's allowed to kick the shit out of them. You can't do that. Yeah. So, no,
1: I can hate them, but you can't. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, but my number one scene that I chose was at the Randy's uh, parole hearing. Robert De Niro just blew that scene out of the water.
1: When he... my scene, my best scene and your best scene are the same. So De Niro and Sutherland
0: yeah. on screen together. Unreal. So Sutherland and this is, is the second time they're on screen together, but this was, this was the moment. Yeah. This was the one.
1: So Sutherland and Sutherland was like a serial arsonist. That's up for parole. And the board is ready to parole him. But De Niro's is like, they, they have De Niro there because he was like the inspector, like to figure so out if it was arson or an accident or whatever. That's De Niro's job. And De Niro, I have this, we'll save this for later in the podcast, but I'll play the, the, the scene because me exactly. saying it's not going to do it no. any justice. And I
0: actually wrote down the whole quote too, but it's...
1: I wanted, I had this in my notes and I didn't know where to put it, where the crowbar this in, but it's in my most quotable lines as well as the, the exchange... Between De Niro and Sutherland my, are my my most quotable. Yep, so we're I'm a thousand it. percent yep. on the. Same so page. so this is what I want to say. Have this conversation with me for just a second. This movie, right? The movie that's taking place between De
0: Niro and Sutherland, is an Oscar-worthy movie. It's completely different. It's Oscar-worthy performance, maybe if you put it, if you make this the movie. That's what I'm saying. Take out the movie that we're watching, right? Get rid of Backdraft.
1: Make a completely new movie, certain encapsulated with De Niro and Sutherland as the two main leads. Yeah, that movie wins an Oscar. Yeah,
0: I think so. Right? Yeah. From, based on what we saw from these two. Yeah, it's a jaw dropping, mind blowing yeah. scene
1: in a movie that doesn't deserve it. Like it's oh, this I don't is a no, no, no. This is a good movie. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> it's not a great movie. This is a fun movie.
1: Yeah. This is not an Oscar worthy right. movie. It, the, that their performance in that one minute scene oscar worthy yeah so i mean i don't know i can't describe it any other way i'll
0: play it for you all right the worst scene i had two but if i'm gonna choose one it was the montage <laughs>
1: Bro, we can we be on any more of
0: the same page? The mon- uh, I the mon- love a montage too. I'm the, all about a montage. Are you talking about the montage between the, the fire and, and oh, oh? It was okay. like with the music and the training.
1: We have two different
0: montages. Oh, you, what other montage? Was Go there? ahead. Mine was the the one when they're training and it, it ends with that's when Billy Baldwin quits. Yeah, running up the stairs. Yeah, it's just the whole like showing them training and there's just this weird that that was this is the only time the music didn't fit for me. It was, uh, a, it was crowbarred in. It didn't it, fit. It, it the whole didn't scene. belong. It didn't need to be there. Yeah. My, mine wasn't really more a montage. wasn't
1: a montage as it was like a mashup. So the parallel between the fire in the high rise and Billy having sex with... Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. That was my number two. Yeah, that's my worst That's a scene. montage? It wasn't a montage as much as it was like a mashup, like crossover, two things happening at once. That, but like as the fire was growing, their passion was yeah. growing. And I was oh, like, right, this yeah. is
0: so tasteless. It was It was awful. Yeah. And then also the fact that they're on the fire truck and the fire truck drives away with them on it. And they're just laughing like, oh, oh, oh we're on this fire truck. Yeah, that and was so that absurd. And then that fire truck just happens to be the fire truck that takes them to the... Yeah, the, the fire he needs to be at. Can and I? That can whole I, ending scene, I have so many problems with it. Can I? Yeah, that that was. I I can't. I don't have the energy to go
1: into all the problems with that. Can I circle back for one second to Thelma and Louise and and say, my my satisfaction with the sex scene between Gina Davis and Brad Pitt was it was a nine out of ten as far as sex scenes go. You know why? Because it lasted all of five seconds. Right. They were getting closer. They were getting closer. They kissed. There was like three seconds of like passionate embrace. And then it cut to they were done. That's how you do a sex scene. I don't need to see the intimacy. Agreed. All right. Uh, anyway, I had to. Bring, <laughs> I didn't bring it up before. I had to bring it back
0: now. No, but just we got to talk about the ending a little bit just because... <sighs> you go ahead. I'll I, listen. I just, there were just... There were flaws. It wasn't like so bad that like I was going to call it my worst scene. But there were just flaws. Like... <laughs> from the sex on the fire truck which that that could have been my worst scene mm. but to they figure out that what was the guy's name not axe i always want to call him axe but uh scott glenn yeah what was his john adcox adcox when they find they re- figure out that it was adcox and yeah okay so we didn't really explain but
1: somebody's going around setting purposeful purposeful the main
0: plot of this movie we just completely ignored it it
1: really it's kind of inconsequential it really is it's like a really a
0: side story yeah
1: but so anyway the the fires that they're going around putting out are all put on by this guy john adcox who's a friend of theirs
0: basically he's killing politicians who all work together to shut down firehouses to put more monies in that more monies more money in their own pockets and wind up costing the lives of several firemen who couldn't get the backup they needed when they needed it. So Adcox took it into his own hands to kill these politicians using fire, and very succ- succinctly put. Right. So they figure out it's him because uh, Stephen Baldwin has a scuffle with him in one of the houses where they know he's going to be, and he hold he pushes the guy who's doing it. He's a mask on up against a an outlet and it, it burns the guy's back. So. Baldwin happens to be back at the old firehouse and he sees Adcox with an outlet burn on his back and he realizes, oh my God, it's Adcox. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, he takes some time to go have sex on top of a fire truck and then (laughs) the fire (laughs) truck... Then starts driving towards this fire. One of the fire trucks just happens to flip. That's the one that Billy Bolden's on. I'm getting things confused, but the fire truck happens to flip, and then they decide to go and have this confrontation on the top of a burning a building that's burning down to the ground. Like, all right, yeah, the guy did it, but you can wait until you're off this building, and that gets Kurt Russell killed, which pisses me off that Kurt Russell had to die at the end of this movie.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a, you know, there's a lot that... I I didn't like in the last, but this is a silly movie. So if you're gonna take anything, to, you know, if you're gonna base anything in reality, then you gotta kind
0: kind of gotta forego the entire movie. So um, anyway, but it was so. But the thing is, though, is it a silly movie because they they try to put all that science about the type of chemicals he uses and how it creates the backdraft, but doesn't burn the building down because he only wants to kill the one person and not risk lives of firemen. Yeah i don't know (laughs) that was a big part of this movie you know i guess the any anything that was based in reality
1: was beyond me as far as this movie went i just wanted to see de niro more of de niro more of sutherland Sutherland. and other than that it was a fun movie to watch and i would
0: watch it again but best role my best role was de niro same worst role uh the girlfriend with jamie whatever Jennifer Jason Leigh. Jennifer Jason Leigh. I thought this is when you started talking about her before. I was like, how could you be talking about her? She was terrible. Her acting was awful. The role was horrendous. They gave her nothing to do. Like she was just like a middleman. It was completely unnecessary and I hated I, her.
1: I base my opinion solely on the fact that she looked good. <laughs> my worst role is Billy Baldwin. He was fine. Right. That's he was good. Uh, that's my point. Billy Baldwin was fine. could have put anybody else there i would have been equally or more happy to see anyone else in that role
0: but compare this billy baldwin to uh what was the other movie indecent no innocent internal affairs internal i knew it was in something (laughs) compare billy baldwin to internal affairs billy baldwin and this is a thousand times better
1: also how dare billy baldwin get a major movie role and be the star of that movie with all those other names in there yeah i completely <laughs> object to the casting there's
0: something going on with the baldwin family i don't know and where there was my they f- they're all they all fell off the face of the earth now except for alec my father swears all right when he started working for the town of oyster bay that alec baldwin worked for the town of oyster bay because they're from massapequa yes right? yeah. and my father swears that alec baldwin worked with him and would scream I don't need you I'm going to be a big actor my father's taking care of that but I don't know what that means but my father claims that
1: all right uh, most quotable line we have the exchange we agree between De Niro and Sutherland play it again right here all right the parole board has received Mr. Bartell's fitness report his ID 44
0: endorsement from his section warden Dr. Norris as supervising psychiatrist, I would describe Mr. Bartell's progress as remarkable. Taking into account his disability and the six years he's already served, I recommend parole.
1: Mr. Bartell, do you regret your crimes?
0: Yes. And, and I'm aware of the pain that I have caused. If released, will you commit these crimes again? No, no, I won't.
1: Do you consider yourself ready for society?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, right, Ronald. You're ready, all right. Excuse me. Excuse me.
1: Shadow. Remember this? Remember this, Ronald? Remember who it belonged to? What did you do to that little girl, Ronald? That's not fair, Shadow. What did you do
0: to that little girl, Ronald?
1: What do you old ladies, Ronald? <laughs>
0: Burn them. And what about the world, Ronald? What would you like to do to the whole world? Burn it all.
1: <laughs> and that's year. it. That's
0: all she wrote this month, huh?
1: I don't know. This was a. I mean, I. I again. I'm gonna
0: reiterate and say, these three movies were all very entertaining to me. Very watchable movies. I wouldn't rewatch Thelma Louise personally. I know that you disagree. Uh, Backdraft. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I what would about watch Bob? Is a classic. What about Bob? I'll probably watch again next week because that's what I do. Classic. Uh, Could, would you use the word classic? Classic comedy. I. But it's
1: different. Okay, you want to categorize it as such. It's not a classic movie in the sense of like yeah. The Godfather. Right. So. Yeah, it's yeah a classic, classic comedy. comedy yeah. Fine.
0: Yep, on board. Right up there with My Blue Heaven. Would we call it Bill Murray's best role?
1: Is this, yeah. or, Grandho- this or Groundhog's Day, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, because Ghostbusters, like, it's not a Bill Murray movie, Ghostbusters. He has, and he only
0: has moments. He's the, he doesn't take over. He doesn't. Yeah, it's not his movie. No. What do we have coming
1: up in June of nineteen
0: ninety one? Coming in at number three, the naked gun two and a half. Smell of fear. Coming in at number two, City Slickers. Nice. (laughs) I love a city slickers. And coming in at number three, I don't know how excited you're gonna be about this or not. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, Yeah. I hate Kevin Costner. Well, whatever. All right, everybody. It was a good time. Thanks for listening. Later.